You know, delivering excellence is more than just 18 wheels moving products around the country. Trucking is complex, and its people are passionate. Accommodating a diverse driving workforce, ever-changing regulations, supply chain demands, and new technologies all present their own challenges, but in trucking, the creative and the innovative succeed. Let's understand the people that drive and support the trucking industry, and welcome to Garner Trucking's Beyond the Cab. Hello and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cab. I'm your host, Tim Krolski, and today I've got a very special guest with me, and I want to kind of set him up a little bit. Um, a lot of great information. So today I'm taking a diff- different perspective. Uh, typically, as trucking companies talk uh, specifically about brokerage houses, uh, there's always that kind of negative connotation that can come with that. And I really wanted to kind of get inside of, of why that is, um, a little bit about the brokerage perspective and how trucking companies can leverage and use a brokerage service uh, to the best of, of both the broker's and the carrier's position. Um, the individual I have on the phone with me today is Thomas T.K. Bardwell, and we're going to continue by calling him T.K. Uh, he is the VP of Logistics for B.R. Williams, uh, a company that is located, uh, headquartered out of Oxford, Alabama. Uh, started back in 1958, so a long-running history. I actually know the owner pretty well. Um, we've had some benchmarking groups and experiences in the past, so I've got a lot of experience. What a great organization they're running down at B.R. Williams. They've got uh, facilities all over, and I'm going to let TK talk a little bit about those, but uh, a fleet of about 165 tractors, 625 van trailers, and they service the uh, continental United States, all 48 states. Um, As far as TK is concerned, uh, joined B.R. Williams in 2000. He was a a full-time truck driver and consequently kind of follows a a similar path to what I have in the the transportation world. Went part-time in in 2002. Uh, He drove part-time through the next four years until he graduated from JSU with a degree in economics. After graduation, TK worked for four years with C.H. Robinson, uh, another brokerage house that we use and many, many carriers throughout the United States and, frankly, across the world might use, um, and was a branch manager for mobile in uh, 2010. Um, TK was also asked to come back then to B.R. Williams and start up their logistics division. Uh, here we are 11 years later, and they're moving about 10,000 truckloads annually with 10 team members. So, TK, you've had a bit of success in the, uh, in the uh, third, third-party industry, correct? Well, it's been a grind, but I uh, definitely feel like we have it moving in the, in the right direction. We're on a, a good trajectory. For sure. I would say that's more than successful. Um, so, you know, in the first place, I like I always like to take a, a step back, TK, and, and kind of get inside of where did all this begin? How did this start for you? So what what brought you to the trucking industry? Well, like many of us, right out of uh, high school, I um, wasn't 100% certain what I wanted to do. And spent a couple of years trying to figure that out, not really having a whole lot of uh, success. I, I took a couple of stabs at college, but... Um, I, I really wasn't that interested in it and, and, and wasn't very successful in my first couple of attempts. And um, I, I mentioned my, my daughter uh, to you earlier. Well, finding out that I was going to be a, a dad and that she was on the way is what kind of lit a fire in, um, in my belly to learn a skill of some kind. Uh, and I, I had passed by a, a trucking uh, school many times near my, near my house and thought I'd walk in there and, and talk to them. 
And, uh, and also, I, I had always loved uh, travel. Uh, so I thought I could kill two birds and, you know, learn a, uh, learn an important marketable skill and, and maybe get a little travel in and get moving in the right direction, uh, literally and figuratively in gear. Um, and uh, so I, I went through the trucking school and, and uh, went to work for a large uh, carrier that uh, I'm sure many of the drivers that are listening to your uh, podcast that have worked for a large carrier in the past could attest to the fact that it doesn't work out for a lot of them. It wasn't a great experience uh, for me. Uh, I really wanted uh, to work for a company that knew my name and, and knew that I exist and cared that I existed. Uh, so I, I found that with a, another company locally there with uh, B.R. Williams. It started with them in, in uh, July of 2000. That was my that was my introduction really to the uh, to the trucking industry and learning uh, learning how to do it and uh, what it was about and how it all flows and how you interact with with shippers and plants and, and and things of that nature i think it's interesting too and we had talked a, a bit before actually a couple of times now but we've kind of walked similar paths in lives i have almost the the same type of description for the for my beginnings in trucking that you do so it's always interesting to me to kind of hear those stories uh <clears throat> knowing that uh, you've you've come from that you know that trucking background obviously you've had some experience with um, the trucking portion, the carrier operations portion of things. What would you say are the differences between now operating a brokerage versus how a carrier operates? Well, there's quite a few differences and quite a few similarities as well. But I'd, I'd say the uh, the main difference is that a broker that is acting as an intermediary is both buying and, and selling. Um, buying the the transportation services and then selling reselling as intermediary those those services to the uh, to the shipper. Um, it, it's also and this is more finance than it is operations, but uh, a, a brokerage is a variable cost model. Uh, so our, our primary expenses our primary expense, which is purchase transportation, tends to move in line with our uh, with our revenues. So it's it's a bit of a safer uh, model. Whereas your uh, trucking operation is a lot more capital intensive, a lot more fixed costs. Uh, so there's a, minus, a great deal more. Minus fuel. <laughs> oh, right, right, of course. Now, there's, there's quite a bit of variable as well. But uh, I'm sure, uh, as, as you know, the, uh, uh, the fixed cost element is, is huge. If you've got trucks sitting against the fence with no drivers in them, you've got, uh, you're not accumulating the miles that are needed in aggregate. And not covering your fixed costs—that's uh, that is uh, very problematic. And we've had markets where that's uh, where that's been the been the case. So for a, a broker, it's um, it's a more safe uh, business model, uh, but it also comes with uh, some some limitations as well. Namely, you can't make a truck appear. You don't have any trucks that you that you own that you can say yes, customer. We find your business to be a great fit for us, and we're willing to dedicate twelve trucks or whatever the case may be. Uh, a, a broker has to be very creative with how they go about uh, doing that, and, and because of that, they they all have very different approaches that that vary from being either highly transactional, as many of the scale model brokers that you think of TQL, you know, et cetera, uh, are uh, versus more density based model, more of a, a contractual. Uh, type that's that's more uh, how we go about things so what, what do you see as some of the similarities you had mentioned that a little bit earlier what do you see as the similarities between a carrier and, and a brokerage house or third party well it, the similarities are mostly how we interact with uh, customers and a lot of the technologies that we have to utilize in order to integrate with the with the customers with the shippers uh, 
uh, the kinds of reporting that they they like to see, whether it's going on an asset or it's going on a uh, a, a brokerage carrier. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have an answer for for one of the questions I want to ask you, but I, before I give you my kind of take on things, I, in your estimations, why? Do you think that trucking companies will typically use a brokerage service? Well, you know, it's a it's an interesting dynamic. You know, it, it's there, there are very few barriers to entry uh, for becoming a a, uh, a carrier, a motor carrier, uh, it, a, a guy that has driven before that decides, hey, you know what, I want to own my own business. Uh, it's not very difficult if, if he's got decent credit and a little bit of money in the bank, you know, to. Uh, to buy a truck and to, and to go on a, out on his own or her own and, and, and do this. Um, so whereas, uh, let's say, compared to, I don't know, if you wanted to be a manufacturer or if you wanted to own a restaurant, it's a, it's a lot more difficult. you got to come up with a lot more capital, uh, get employees, and, and, and all kinds of things. So that's one of the beauties of, of the trucking industry, um, that uh, everyone from uh, the one-truck operation to, to Mr. C.L. Werner himself that started off as a one-truck operation – uh, and for uh, Mr. B.R. Williams that started off as a, as a two-truck operation, you know. So uh, it, it, it's great. But so think about your your typical uh, carrier. And the, the fleet sizes, they, they run from, from one truck all the way up to, I think, Schneider's at nearly 20,000 or something like that if we're talking about uh, truckload carriers and everything in between. But 70% of the trucks on the road belong to carriers that have 500 trucks or less, right? So – uh, those types of carriers, like like a like a Garner, like a B.R. Williams, we don't we don't have. It doesn't make any sense for us to have the kind of sales resources that it would take to sell to shippers all over the country. Not only to sell to shippers all over the country, but to sell to to shippers very limited services. Right. So you know, let's say for for us, we're we're located in Alabama. We've got customers to send us to Pennsylvania and Texas, Utah, you name it. Um, for us to contact shippers in those areas and say, hey, we we need freight. We'd love to, to, to service your, your account. By the way, we can only go back to Alabama or to Ohio. It's not something that resonates with the, with the shipper community. So what a broker does for the shipper is they, they can take freight going to any region, any, any part. So they're not saying no frequently. They, they say yes. Shipper calls them and they've got 15, 20 loads, whatever the case may be, going all over the country. They can say yes to all. And for the carrier who's reaching out to the to the broker needing to get back to Alabama because they take freight going anywhere, they're that much more likely to have the kind of freight that that works perfectly and places our equipment exactly where it needs uh, exactly where it needs to be. Well, I, I think that's an interesting point and, and one thing that we've worked hard on as an organization to um, really stray away from kind of the random nature of, you know, obviously everybody and their brother kind of has this brokerage house, you know, as you point out, it's a little easier to, to, to start that up because you don't have those those assets that you need to worry about. But um, one of the things that we've worked very hard on as an organization is getting to a place where we're building relationships with brokerage houses that have that freight because for the in, the, the the reasons you're pointing out we're not able to offer this vast 
coverage area because we're based, uh, you know, in in Finley, Ohio. So we need those trucks to come back this way, and I, I can't afford to send that truck to Atlanta, Georgia, or to you know because or to uh, um, Alabama or wherever, wherever else we're talking about because we've got customers that have demands that we need to take care of back in this in this corner of the country. So um, building those relationships and finding those those points where it makes sense um, not only for the service end of things but also from the financial piece Uh, and we found other opportunities over the years with brokers where uh, maybe there's a dedicated piece of business that they've been able to capture again because of those sales resources that they have that we wouldn't even be you know a company wouldn't even entertain you know based on our size um, uh, or, or our footprint so um, being able to, to at least come to some agreement there that, that makes sense from a business perspective. Now, the flip side of all of that is when we get into a situation where, okay, uh, maybe those normal corridors or those normal opportunities for a brokerage house, and this is the part where, where a driver can get fired up. Now I've got to send you to some new location that we've never been to before. And uh, there's, you know, a four-hour wait or there's, um, you know, a bad attitude on the dock or difficult location to get into and all those, you know, kind of quote unquote problems that you can have with a broker load because we're not familiar with the customer uh, that can arise. And of course, I think as human beings, we, you know, we have a real tendency to remember the bad things. Um, this one time this happened um, versus, you know, a lot of the good things that, that do go on. And, and quite frankly, um, we kind of put a barrier in place between the brokerage houses and our drivers so that we're handling those calls and, and dealing with those things. But um, the only time they're going to know it's a broker load is when there's a problem and they have to call in and we have to get answers from a third party. So, you know, the, those are the things I think sometimes that stick, stick in a driver's mind as to, you know, why are we doing these loads? Why are we using a broker for this? Um, but that's, um, I think, a tremendous explanation on, uh, you know, from the brokerage side of the house on, on why that freight's available for for you folks, and and it isn't for the carrier, especially when you're talking about a mom and pop carrier like a Garner Trucking. What uh, what would you say at this time, TK? Are, are you seeing um, in in the trucking industry that are impacting it? Um, what you know, problem areas, those types of things, are you seeing from your perspective? Oh my gosh, I, I I wouldn't even know where to start on that. But uh, uh, before we get to that, I, I wanted to go back to what you said about the fact that you guys have been very intentional about uh, helping to insulate your drivers from a lot of these brokers. I think that's a that's a fantastic idea and a, and a great service that that uh, that you do for for your drivers. And also, it sounds like you you're very intentional about uh, limiting those new lanes, locations, and the number of brokers that you you work with, such that those instances where there tends to be more problems with a new location and things like that are, are minimized. So I think that's very, very smart of you guys. And, um, and also uh, it's far more efficient, you know, to work with the, with the same, with the same brokers that you can trust because you you know that at at some point the the tide's going to go out, you know, something's going to happen. There's going to be, you know, a, a claim or a shortage or whatever the case may be. And if you, relationship means everything when when those things happen it's just a law of averages they're going to you know but as far as um the communication with the broker the communication with the shipper all the way down to the driver knows that he asked for uh jason you know and he 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 walks in between dock two and three you know and that that kind of thing instead of wandering throughout the property trying to find out where he is it's it's easier for everyone it's more enjoyable for everyone 
and it's, it's more efficient for all involved. I agree. So kudos to you guys. Yeah. Where's the uh, where's the shipping door? <laughs> where's the receiving door? Yeah, those things come up. And as former drivers, I think we both have probably had those experiences. Um, would you say, from your experience, is there a difference between working with uh, with um, a, a regular uh, carrier driver versus an owner operator? Do you have a lot of experience with owner operators? We have a fair amount of experience, but I'll tell you, our model being more um, more contractual, um, we quite honestly we, we look for companies that are like uh, like Garner and like Br Williams. We want to uh, we find good fits uh, for for lanes and work with them uh, again and again and again. Uh, there's there's a, a role certainly for some uh, some owner operators. We have some local expedited type business uh, that, uh, that works pretty well. Uh, we also work with. Um, one of the larger carriers that has almost exclusively uh, owner operators, and, and they do a great job for us in, on uh, certain types of uh, certain types of business. But uh, the the approach there there does seem to be um, maybe a, a a greater sense of um, pride for some of the owner operators than the new company drivers. Now, the company drivers that have been around uh, for some time, there's I, I don't see much difference uh, at all. Would you say there's a difference between, um, you know, again, from your perspective, um, between working for a carrier that has a brokerage versus um, strictly using someone like maybe a C.H. Robinson? And I only use them just because they're one of the largest and most most popular in the country. Do you, you feel there's some distinguishing differences there? From, from my perspective, is there a difference in, in me having been employed by a company that is both asset and non-asset versus yeah. strictly non-asset? Yep. You got it. Oh yeah, yeah. So, well, the uh, a company like that that is entirely non-asset, of course, has limitations. Some of those I uh, I mentioned earlier, um, but b- because they're a scale model, they they do tend to uh, put a lot more resources into into sales. Uh, they grow that scale, and and it is efficient. You know, like you said, you you deal with with C.H. Robinson because um, they have so much freight. It's so much more likely that you're going to be able to find what it is that you're looking for for your driver for your for your truck, um, they're they're also able to, as it makes sense, acquire other types of companies, give them additional capabilities, um, modally, you know. So they're uh, they're largely mode neutral, and that they don't care if it goes LTL or truckload or intermodal or air, whatever the case may be. Um, so they're they're not tied to one to one mode or, or another, and that's something that a lot of shippers with a certain mix of of business. Um, like that, that that appeals to them very much um however there of course are limitations and, and the biggest one being that they don't they don't own a single truck there's they cannot uh commit assets that they that they don't own uh so they're not they're also not able to um tailor make solutions that would include both assets and non-assets for uh for a shipper that would that would optimize the benefits of of both uh, take for example a, um, a a shipper that we have in in Alabama that that uh, ships to California and ships to ships to PA ships to New York. Well, uh, on the on the brokerage side, uh, we're able to go to the to the West Coast um, far more efficiently than our than our assets. Our, our asset side is able to go to the Northeast far more efficiently than we're able to. So, having both, we're able to combine and offer an optimal solution. Yeah, I think that's an important distinguish, distinguishing piece, you know, when you start talking about a, a company that owns both the brokerage and, and the assets to back some things up. It's got to be helpful. Um, would you say that, you know, we 
I hate even to use this word, but you know, COVID's really kind of changed things over the last several years from the carrier perspective. Um, but I literally know nothing, and I'm, I'm certain our drivers probably don't either uh, in terms of the demands from customers uh, and the carriers when it comes to what's changed in the past few years. What, what would you say those changes are, um, you know, the dynamic differences between operating a brokerage house in 2019 versus now in, in 2022? Well, I, I think, you know, some is related to COVID, um, but largely it was just kind of the way uh, things were going, the trajectory that, that things were on. And that's what they're, they're requiring better data, uh, more integrations, EDI, um, third-party telemetry, you know, things, things of that nature, better ETAs, reporting, KPIs, things, things, of, that, things of that nature. And, and uh, I'd say that the carriers are, are, are doing their part. Um, a lot of these technologies are far more scalable than they were. So, you know, 20 years ago when a, a customer asked for this, or 15 years ago even, um, carriers either had the resources to have, like, programming um, software programming type folks uh, on staff that could build those types of tools or, or they didn't. And they were just on the outside looking in for those shippers that demanded those types of things. But now those services are, are really available to any company of, of any size, mostly, uh, mostly scalable. So um, carriers also, and this is one of the key changes that I've seen over the past couple of years, asset-based carriers are beginning to finally uh, demand from the shippers what it is that they need uh, be it shippers of choice initiatives like keeping their detention down and things like that, and you know, including rates uh, as well, uh, all of which being commiserate with their their risk, and uh, and and that's something in years past that we we haven't seen. I think that's a really important point. That uh, um, I think uh, I've said this a lot when it comes to the last couple of years because it's forced I think every segment of the industry, including shippers and receivers to learn how to communicate um, best practices to one another, communicate um, just, you know, kind of the simple the simple do's and don'ts uh, uh, that, that are needed in order to be successful. And I think now for the first time that both sides of the house are actually willing to listen to and, and have those conversations because they real, realize, first of all, the value of a, a very shallow truck driver market in terms of you know the quantity of drivers that are out on the road for whatever reason you want to list um i i think it's become imperative to all and it's opened up that pathway to be able to have some real honest and open conversations with your customer base and to me that's all for the good that's all for the better if there's one thing i've said about covid since the beginning that's been a plus it's that we're learning how to communicate better with our customers, our drivers, our people, um, effectively doing it in multiple ways. Uh, you know, the, this podcast uh, started a little before COVID, but now has been a catalyst, you know, a, a means of communication um, back to back to our fleet and to anyone else who's interested about the industry. So it's amazing all these tools and things that are in place now that, that help us communicate better. But I think rock solid point, TK, as far as, what uh, what the real impact of these last couple of years have been. Um, it, it also interesting to me that you, you mentioned uh, communication in regard to uh, um, what we're doing and how we're ta- speaking with customers. But what uh, what do you find uh, today that maybe wasn't in existence, you know, five, six years ago in terms of technology 
um, existing or, or, or new things that you're using at, at BR Williams to communicate with drivers and to customers? Yeah, so that's uh, that's an interesting that's an interesting dynamic because there there is a balance there. What you can automate today versus what you could automate um, five years ago, and I mean in, in a practical sense. Of course, you could automate anything, but but you can practically do it now to where it actually it makes it makes sense, and you can automate quite a bit of your communication with your customers, sending automated emails, things of that nature, reminding them that you're there and that you are interested in their freight or whatever the case may be. Um, communicating with drivers, et cetera. Um, but, you know, we, we don't want to lose that human touch, you know. Uh, relationships with our customers, with our, with our drivers, with the, our contract carriers, um, this is, this is a, it's, a, it's everything. It would, it's what makes us um, valid and, and a sustainable industry. Um, so if you look 150, 200 years into the future, whenever, when trucks are entirely, you know, autonomous or whatever, if, if that ever happens, what will go away is that is that human touch. And I think having uh, relationships with people across the board and through the supply chain that, you know, will advocate on your behalf uh, when you say, hey, look, I need your help. And, you know, when you hang up the phone that you can trust them, um, that human element is something that cannot be cannot be automated. So I think that's something that we, we always want to keep in mind when we're looking at uh, what to automate. Um, certain uh, communicating operational things, details like truck has arrived, you know, things of that nature. I think, you know, largely you can, you can automate uh, uh, most of that, you know, but uh, I wouldn't want to get in the business of, of automating all of that. <laughs> so if that, if that answers your question. It sure does. I, 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 you think you bring up another interesting point too, because we we see it every day, and and maybe you do too. Um, our our uh, our younger generation of drivers um, certainly demand different forms of communication than what maybe an, an older driver does, and um, kind of relative relative to your point on that uh, human touch. I'm I'm curious what uh, what do you see. Um, do you see much difference between a, an older driver versus a younger driver and how they want to be communicated with, what they're willing to do, what they're not willing to do? Are you texting more, emails more, uh, those types of things with the driver, or um, still generally getting phone calls? You know, I, I think the, um, the the older driver, well, first off, let me say this. The, the older drivers, and I mean, you know, those that have been driving for 10, 15 plus years or whatever, um, tend to be the best, the best drivers, the most reliable, the ones that you have to check on the least, um, or at least that that's been uh, that's been our experience. And of course, there's there are many exceptions to that. Sure. Many uh, new drivers that are that are doing a great job, but uh, but in general, your old timers are, are um, you know failure wasn't an option. Uh, they uh, being reliable is very very important to them, and, and you know maybe more so than some of the millennials and, and, and younger folks. And, and again, I'm, I'm generalizing, but they are definitely less. Um, apt to uh, to adopt new technologies, download an app on their phone, um, things of that nature, or deal with you know calls and text messages from uh, from brokers that they don't know, for instance. Um, so, I, I think the the direction that that this is going now it may take some time, but the direction that this is going is that most of the telemetry and information that is needed um, by the broker, but essentially downstream by the shipper. 
uh, is going to come from that ELD. And it's just a matter of, of gathering it and where that information uh, is able to flow. It's going to be more difficult for the large-scale, uh, more transactional brokers like your Coyote TQL, et cetera, uh, to gather that from the uh, from the ELDs. Um, and uh, well, I, I say that I, I'm not I'm not a, an expert on this. It, it it may be in some sense easier uh, for them because they they may have a, a bit more uh, leverage in, in some areas. But I'll say this: your more transactional brokers are going to have to rely on driver smartphones for a longer period of time, um, whereas the more uh, contractual, uh, like our model, where we we work with we move eighty percent of uh, our freight with our top twenty percent of, of carriers. We're going to be able to get those uh, those carriers to, to sign up and give us access to the telemetry on their ELDs and never have to bother their drivers. And it's, it's not just a matter of bothering the drivers. It's also a matter of a lot of that information being unreliable. You know, when they, they uh, turn their phone off, you know, for instance, and we have no idea where, where they are at 8 o'clock in the morning. And, um or maybe they've got cricket wireless or something and it doesn't work in this state. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. who knows? It's just... I mean, we, we found a success rate for uh, for phone smartphone app based telemetry to be about sixty percent, and that is that is just nowhere near where we need it to be. Uh, so the ELD side is is more like uh, ninety plus percent. It's doing nothing but improving. Would you say at this point is there a difference between the word broker versus a third party? Do you look at those two words as the same thing, or do they mean something different? Well, they they are the same thing technically. Um, but uh, 3PL to me has always always been more broad. You know that's um, that's going to be multimodal. Uh, that, that that's going to be outsourcing uh, critical components, facets of a of a shipper supply chain uh, to the third party logistics company. When you just say broker, it, sure that can apply to a a Coyote or a Robinson or whoever. Um, and and that's and that's true. But they certainly are uh, 3PLs as well. Now, but w- when I think of broker. I think of a truckload broker. That's that's what they're doing. They are collecting truckloads and they are brokering those out to uh, to carriers. So, so uh, to me, if I had to break that down to one word, would you say transactional? Yes, I would say transactional and and modally limited. Okay, excellent. I I have one more question for you, TK, and and uh, certainly want to give you the kind of the red carpet rollout uh, for this one. But what would you tell? a driver to provide perspective on brokerage houses or broker freight to kind of change, change their minds? Well, I, I would say, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, why it is that carriers deal with, uh, with brokers and, and, and why do shippers deal with brokers? And I, I would say that uh, first and foremost, um, the existence of brokers is what allows for uh, small carriers to exist. It's never going to make sense for a 10 truck operation, a one truck operation, a 50 truck operation uh, to uh, to go all over the country and to solicit freight from shippers uh, everywhere. It's just not going to make sense. So brokers are always going to be a, a necessity for that reason. Uh, so so do keep that that in mind. Uh, that, now that doesn't mean by any stretch that uh, drivers should uh, tolerate brokers that are anything but uh, professional and friendly with them. And many and many brokers, that's uh, that's part of their culture is that they're uh, sort of needlessly toxic uh, with with drivers. And I, I, I find that to be um, completely counterproductive. 
and and really for no purpose whatsoever. And it, it's something that's um, that has given many brokers a, a bad name. That the drivers will, will not talk to a broker and have one be condescending and and and, and rude to them, and not want to not want to deal with them again in the, in the future. And the brokers accomplish nothing in in uh, in doing that. So. Uh, I, I would also tell them that when they have experiences like that, to make sure and bring that back to their uh, to their dispatchers and let them know that that you're uh, uh, you're not paid to take abuse yeah, uh, I agree, from people. I agree with that. I, I think that uh, especially when you start talking about that world, you know, again, I kind of shared our perspective that there really is um, a need and value in um, building those relationships with the brokerage. Uh, or third party that that, that um, it makes sense to do that with, um, and I think it, it it's even more imperative that both the carrier and the brokerage house understand that there's a human being that's behind the wheel, and uh, that there are going to be problems, and when those problems are are there, that, that we're able to work through them pretty easily, and and with respect to to the human being behind the wheel. Um, TK, as we wrap up today, I want to make sure I, uh, one, thank you again for for your time today. Again, this has kind of been a, a bit against the grain of what we've done in the past, and we're looking to kind of blaze a trail towards, you know, different topics uh, to, to present to our drivers. But I also want to give you the respect of uh, uh, mentioning B.R. Williams and and uh, a little bit about your services, you know, kind of a, a free commercial for you. Um, and, and I want to close with maybe where your locations are, what, what services you provide in, in case uh, any of the listeners uh, might have an interest in using some of those services. Oh, great. Well, I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we are an asset-based uh, carrier with three divisions, uh, our trucking division, our logistics, which is, which is brokerage, and our uh, fulfillment and distribution you know, or, or warehousing uh, division as well. So headquartered in Oxford, Alabama, we run uh, fleets out of Oxford, Alabama, uh, East Toboga, uh, Alabama, right next to the Talladega Super Speedway, if you're a NASCAR fan, and uh, in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, our fulfillment uh, centers are located in Mobile and uh, Tallahassee, Florida, East of Oga, Alabama, uh, and two in Anniston, Alabama, one in, in Piedmont, uh, Alabama. We've been diversifying uh, services over the last uh, three to four years to where we've moved from sort of a, uh, a model of pallet in, pallet out, long-term storage to uh, more kidding, program management, light assembly, uh, quality inspections and full-on e-commerce, uh, B2B and B2C fulfillment. TK, thanks again so much. You've been listening to TK Bardwell, uh, the VP of Logistics for BR Williams, and uh, now I, someone I can consider a friend and look forward to seeing in the future. And I want to thank all of you for listening to another edition of Beyond the Cab.